Hey everybody. Thanks for checking out something to wrestle. Both Bruce and myself greatly appreciate your support. But right here at the top of the show, before we get started today, I wanted to send a shout out to friend of the show, Jay Fratt, who tweeted me a picture yesterday. And uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out here. He says, I'll just leave this here. And then it's a screenshot that says old mortgage number of months left 317 new mortgage number of months left 240 months off of loan 77. Think about that 77 house payments gone years off loan 6.4 total savings $206,906 and 53 cents. That's worth repeating. $206,906.53. This is what Jay saved at SaveWithConrad.com. He made sure to put in the tweet, oh, by the way, my monthly payments went up a whopping $13. Thank you to Larry, Jennifer, Philip, and the entire team for making this decision super easy to go through. Cannot recommend looking into this info enough. So there you go. SaveWithConrad.com. Save Jay and his family. $206,906. And in order to save that money and cut 77 payments off of his loan, he's paying 13 extra dollars a month. Step one is to go to savewithconrad.com. Step two is to do a quick application, either online or over the phone. And step three is for us to give you three or four different money saving ideas. And once you finish step four and pick the right option for you, you're off to the races. It really is that easy. This is a real life example of someone who listens to this show and then went to savewithconrad.com to take my challenge. Find out how much money you can save for free. It's no cost. It's no obligation and you don't need perfect credit. So why wouldn't you do this? And oh, by the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states so we can help more families than ever before. So even if you've taken a look once upon a time into refinancing, it's worth another look right now. It was worth nearly 207 grand to Jay. Find out how much money you can save right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? You won't have to make your payment in July or August. You're done until September 1st. And come September, you've got a better mortgage. Get out of debt now. Keep more of your own money. Go to SaveWithConrad.com. Welcome. Do something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. What a rib. No, you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. Say something about I don't give a shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. Scared to shock him. Thank you, Bruce. I love you. Take the cheese. Double cheeseburger. You take the bread. Double cheese. Well, you know. And then double mayo. You know. It's called chicken salad. Double onion, motherfucker. You're nothing but an egg sucking dog. Throw it in your Google machine. Goddamn, kid. Goddamn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Ooh, yeah. What say you? Run out. Something to wrestle with. Con Bruce Pritchard. Eek, the second most recognizable athlete in the entire world today. Conrad Olsen. What happened when? Huh? What would Vince say about that? Well, hey, Vince. Tell you. Yeah. My show arms look good tonight. Yeah. The 
so big. Let's go. Bullshit. Welcome to WrestleMania. World title man. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With. Kinda? Bruce Pritchard? Yep, unfortunately, WWE strikes again, and we do not have Slammiversary 2017 available for you, but Bruce will be home tomorrow, and the hope is at some point this weekend, he and I will sit down and crank out Slammiversary 2017. I'm really excited to talk to you guys about that one because it's going to be Realistically, the first time that Bruce has talked about current stuff, unbelievably, somehow after we trashed TNA, not once, but twice, they reached out to Bruce and hired him. And we went from selling I'm fired shirts to I'm hired shirts. I couldn't believe it, but Bruce was all of a sudden back in the wrestling business. And it was a result of this podcast, believe it or not. It was such a surreal moment to, uh, I was at a comedy club. I'll never forget. And I started to see the images show up in my social media where fans were attending the impact tapings and Bruce is coming down the ramp, uh, wearing his mom jeans and he's got on his blazer with his pro wrestling tees version of a something to wrestle shirt underneath. And then on the video wall behind him, it's our giant podcast logo. It was the coolest thing ever. I was so happy for my friend to be back involved in wrestling and who would have ever imagined that this is where we would be now. And certainly that Bruce would be where he is now. Uh, it was such an interesting time, not only uh, for Bruce, but for impact. You may recall that there had been a bit of an ugly break between Billy Corgan and Dixie Carter. And now all of a sudden there was a new player involved named Anthem and Jeff Jarrett was back. It was uh, a weird time to say the least. I'm looking forward to breaking that down with Bruce real, real soon. But today, just to hold you over and let you get your Bruce and something to wrestle fix. We've got something that I can't believe I still had. It's the first time I ever talked to Bruce Pritchard. Yeah, there's actually tape of that. Uh, believe it or not, once upon a time, Bruce was not one of my best friends and he was just some guy that Ric Flair knew. And when we were doing woo nation with CBS for their play.it platform, we're looking for new guests every single week. Rick pitched, Hey, what if we had Bruce Pritchard? I said, sure. I'm game. Whoever you think. He reached out to Bruce, got Bruce to agree. And you're about to hear the very first time I ever talked to Bruce. And I'll never forget. This was not recorded in the studio where I'm at right now. And it wasn't recorded, uh, when I was in Atlanta with Rick, which is how a lot of those first episodes were done. Instead, I'm at a radio studio at WVNN in Athens, Alabama. Shout out to friend of the show, Mr. Dale Jackson. He let me use his studio and we did it like a regular radio show. We're using really cool microphones, but the, the dial in interface with the giant boards and I had a board op for this show. It was a weird deal, but it was kind of fun and kind of cool. And it's fun to look back now, especially knowing where all of this craziness with me and Bruce has wound up with him being back in WWE and the incredible ride that has been something to wrestle. But this is the very first time I ever talked to Bruce and, and we're gonna, we're gonna chop it up here. So. Without further ado, enjoy this very special clip from five years ago. It feels like a lot longer than that now, does it not? But from five years ago, uh, the one and only Bruce Pritchard on Woo Nation with myself and Ric Flair. Whew, hard to believe that really happened. 
You know, we talk a lot about rumor and innuendo here on the show. And unfortunately, there's a lot of rumor and innuendo out there about CBD. And one of the reasons we work with CBD MD is because we want to get the real truth out there. Plus, I know CBD MD's products, especially their topical pain relief formulas, have helped a lot of people out there, including me and my family. So here's the skinny on CBD and what you can expect from CBD MD. First of all, hemp and products made from it, like those from CBDMD, are federally legal in the United States. All of CBDMD's products are made with CBD extracted from hemp plants, not marijuana. So you don't ever have to worry about getting high or anything else like that. CBDMD's superior formulas never contain detectable amounts of THC, which is the stuff in pot that gets you high. They even provide you with the independent lab reports to prove it. And yeah, there are scams and mislabeled products out there, like those fake products you see on Amazon, but CBDMD does things right. They make all of their products in FDA registered facilities, and they can prove they follow all the federal guidelines for making these supplements. You can't just get that with most of the other CBD companies out there. But above all else, let me tell you, this stuff works. Uh, both myself, my wife, my mom, my dad, we've all been rocking the CBD MD freeze gel. I can't recommend it enough. It's like a perfect combination of pain relief and menthol. It's just, uh, it's as the kids are saying, and listen, I can tell you from my experience, I can tell you about my family's experience, but you won't understand what I'm talking about until you try CBD MD's pain relief topicals for yourself. But now not only can you do that, but you can also get 25% off of your order by using the promo code DUTE at checkout over at cbdmd.com. Folks, they're already some of the best CBD out there and 25% off is an absolutely insane deal. It's just a steal. I've looked around and it's pretty much unheard of in the CBD business. And on top of that, they offer an industry leading 60 day, no hassle guarantee on all of their products and oh yeah, the best US-based customer service around. So one more time, use promo code DOOT, you know, D-O-O-T, during checkout and you'll get 25% off your order of premium CBD products at cbdmd.com. That's cbdmd.com. Use the promo code DOOT and get 25% off your first order of premium CBD. cbdmd.com. The only CBD company on the record recognizing that Brett screwed Brett. All right, it's time for another edition here of Woo Nation right here on Play.it. I am the co-host, the co-pilot, Conrad Thompson. But of course, the man of the hour is the nature boy, Rick Flair. Rick, we've got a great guest today. We do. A man that is well-traveled, but obviously one of the most intelligent guys to ever participate in our business on so many different levels. From writing to performing to scripting to booking, he's done it all for uh, the WWE and uh, um, TNA. And I first met Bruce. It's Bruce Pritchard. Uh, people should be able to figure that out. He's done so much in the business and been so successful and been such a big part of the business. But I first met Bruce after I won NWA, after I won the NWA title. In Houston, because he got his start, and Bruce, correct me wrong, with the legendary Paul Bosch, who has passed away you know, years ago. But Bruce, I think, pretty much booked uh, the talent that came in out of Houston. And after Paul forgave 
the NWA, when Harley missed the shot, he started using me again for a while with using Bockwinkle. But um, I think Bruce was uh, influential in getting me involved in the Houston markets, which was a great place to work. And Paul was a great payoff guy. So, hey, Bruce, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great, champ. Just thank you very much for having me on, man. Oh, thank you, nice man. Introduction. Appreciate it. What's up? What are you doing? Uh, you know, I mean, my main thing right now, um, I'm working for a friend of mine in, in the legal field, but, uh, you know, my passion is wrestling. I'm working with Booker T, who's got a wrestling school down here, and yeah. he puts on a television show locally, kind of you're talking about Paul Bosch, and he's doing the same thing Paul was doing. We're, we're booking shows in Houston. We do television. We've got a huge announcement coming up that we're, we're going to be moving our television from where it currently is to a cherry time slot uh, on a local station here with a lot of backing and uh, we're going to be making some big moves. So I've got to work with young talent that's hungry, that wants to learn, that goes out and busts their ass every single night and yeah, well, it's a well, blast. I have an idea where you're getting your money up. Just to give you uh, the influence of Bruce Pritchard on my life when I was with WWE when Bruce was there, uh, Bruce has a very, very close friend who is a multi-millionaire. Conrad, he's got your kind of bucks, okay? <laughs> he's in the furniture business, right? So he puts on a, a tennis tournament yeah. every year, right? So yes. Bruce says, hey, let's bring Flair in. Uh, he likes to play tennis, you know, which I did. I used to like to play when I was younger. And we'll have him play, you know, with some kid and uh, – have a little fun, and it's, it was it was a, a big tournament. Uh, Blake was there. Um, the kid that just retired, what's his name? The handsome guy, Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick was there. I mean, yeah. some big time people there. Uh, Pete Sampras, yeah, yeah, Pete, yeah, Pete was there, and uh, I'm good friends with McEnroe anyway. So I thought that'd be cool. So I get to this tournament. So Bruce goes, well, they want you to go out and play a, a set with this kid. It's like, okay, so it's a 12-year-old, 12-year-old kid that just happens to be the state champion. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> I didn't score a point in front of 10,000 people. A 12-year-old kid kicked my ass. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but at least they wouldn't do to you what they did to Bradshaw. The kid beat Bradshaw while, uh, while he held a bag in the other hand. <laughs> well, I can believe that. I'm not Bradshaw, please. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I couldn't find Bruce. I was going to kill him to 12 years old, Conrad. I couldn't return a serve. That's I fantastic. Could beat a tw- anybody could beat a 12-year-old kid. <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Again, not really knowing, but I'm sure you're going to hear that phrase a lot throughout this, Rick, saying, I could have killed Bruce. For that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's twice. Once there were quite the, a few of those over the years. You've already heard twice. Uh, once with the Carlito promo, which we talked about on the show last week. <laughs> I'd had a big argument with, with Vince. And uh, this, someone called in and asked that question, uh, was I really mad at Carlito? And the answer was no. But Bruce Pritchard came and got me. I was so mad at Vince. I wasn't doing anything on the show. Bruce came and got me and said, hey, Vince wants you to cut a big promo on Carlito. And he was with Tory Wilson, which, you know, that, that, that wasn't really happening anyway. I just had to reaffirm that. <laughs> Good yeah. Lord. 
So I gave I gave Carlito the best of, and the next thing I found out, Bruce called me and said, "God, Vince thought that was great. He's canceling the program with you and Kennedy for WrestleMania. It's you and Carlito." Well, we get to Chicago for WrestleMania, and three hours before the show, they canceled me and Carlito from the car that was the The Vince gave me a lecture about going out there in a warm-up match and being a team player. Oh my God. Jesus, what a bullshit statement. You need to lead by example. Go out there in a warm-up match at WrestleMania. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Am I right, Bruce? Oh, yeah. You know, hey, it was never boring. <laughs> Back then, it wasn't, man. Jesus. Well, Bruce, tell me. Because these, these are questions that maybe Conrad's got it written down. I just have so much on my mind to ask you. I never understood you know, I do know that you went back and forth, and but pretty much at the same pace that Heyman did with coming and going with the WWE. And it's, I kind of figured it was like, uh, you know, familiarity breeds contempt because back then there was only about four or five writers, correct me if I'm wrong, instead of 20, and they Vince was on these guys so hard every day I mean, we're talking about Pat, we're talking about Bruce, and was Ed there when you were there? Oh, yeah. Okay, Definitely. Ed's been there a while. I don't, know, I don't know how he's done it. Jesus. Um, but um, back and forth, and like, you know, I, I would see Bruce, and Bruce said, I'm going on vacation. And then, <laughs> you know, he'd be gone for three months, and then they'd figure out they needed Bruce back, or vice versa, Bruce would be back, and then, you know, <laughs> He'd disappear again. So, yeah, fill me in on that, Bruce. What what would happen? You guys just got it. You just got to the, to the point where you were having a hard time being creative every week, or what? Well, you know, for you got to imagine, man. Imagine being with Vince for twenty two years. Yeah, and you know, by by being with him, man, it was day in and day out. Yeah, and after a while, you know, you hit a wall. And you got you got to step away. You got to step away, smell the roses, and be able to try to come up with something different and creative and new. And the only way to do that a lot of times is get away from it. Yeah. And you you have to completely just decompress. And then when you're you're back in it, you know you can you can go off for three months and get away from it. You come back and within three or four days you're swamped all over again. You're just you're back in that rat race. Well, when you were with intent to be an understatement. You, so, Bruce, when you were uh, in the role of Brother Love, were you uh, writing at the same time? I was When I was doing that, I was uh, running the TV studio and, and uh, Vince and Pat. See, we didn't have the, the cable TV wasn't like it is now. Yeah, it was network like, TV. Yeah, it was syndicated. So, yeah. you know, uh, Vince and Pat wrote that for the most part, and I did all the cable stuff. But then I oversaw all the editing and oversaw the, the production of it. In a, so in I was working stu- behind the scenes there, too. In the studio in Stanford. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you were on TV as Brother Love. Were you, were you doing the house shows, too, as Brother Love? When I, when I was a good boy. And I would, that would be my sabbatical. That would be my, you know, Vince would let me go out for a couple of months. And, you know, we'd, we'd shoot, shoot an angle where I could go and hit the house shows for two or three months. Yeah. And that would be my break, that would be my prize. I know that he so tried to keep you, I know he tried to keep you and Briscoe apart. 
<laughs> but all that stuff legal in Oregon Carol now. Fristo. So you guys, if you guys had just gone to Portland once a year, been fine. <laughs> just kidding, Bruce. We can edit that out. <laughs> so, I kid it. When Jerry Briscoe and Bruce were together, it was always something. That was you. Uh, Bruce was there. This is a great story, Conrad, which uh, I loved it when I heard it. When um, <laughs> when Bischoff said to Jerry Briscoe, and of course, uh, you can imagine um, um, Bruce stirring it up. That it, it, nobody, it, anybody could beat a sixty-year-old man. Wow. <laughs> it was Jerry's birthday. You know, yeah, okay. Hey, got a question for you. Did you know that refinancing your credit card balances can lower your interest rate and save you money? And you don't need to be some sort of financial expert to do it. You can get a fixed rate credit card consolidation loan from lightstream.com and you can save thousands in interest. Rates start at just 5.95% with auto pay and excellent credit. By the way, this is lower than the average credit card interest rate because you know, that's more than 19% APR. You can even get a loan from 5,000 to a hundred thousand dollars with absolutely no fees over at lightstream.com. Of course, the application is 100% online at lightstream.com and you can even get your money in the bank as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream.com believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. And that's exactly what they deliver. Listen, I've tried to say the website a bunch today because I get a lot of questions. Hey, what was the name of that company? Lightstream.com, man. Everybody knows how easy it is to get a loan there. Because if you recall, this is the company I've told you about that years ago, I got the best car deal I ever had. Now, of course, today we're talking about credit card debt, but I'm just telling you, I can vouch for this company personally. I had a great experience with them. It was the easiest process. It was the best rate. I got to shop like a cash buyer, just like that. And right now my listeners can apply for a special interest rate discount and save even more. So I'm excited to tell you about that. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. Let me spell that for you. It's L I G H T S T R E A M dot com slash wrestle. That's lightstream.com slash wrestle. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes a half a percent auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. I'll tell you where it was, man. We were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at the yeah. Madison at the airport. And we're all sitting around, and, and uh, Jerry's birthday, his actual birthday, we were in Montreal, and it was just me, Jerry, and Taker that went out. And then the next week, uh, we, we celebrated it again. And then this was the third week, and now we had Bradshaw, we had Cena, we had Eric, we had a few more. And, you know, we're t- Bradshaw and I are talking about how many times Briscoe's kicked our ass. And Bischoff kind of looks over at Jerry and, and says, or, or and I sent Eric a text that said, okay, uh, Jerry's birthday. He says, wow, he's 60 years old. Maybe now I can uh, beat him. And, of course, me being me, I had to inform Briscoe of this uh, text that was sent back to me, and I brought it up in front of everybody. And he looks over at Jerry and he says, you know, he can't be that tough. We had had a few, uh, we had had a few adult beverages and <laughs> we told Jerry, I said, that's right, man. You can't be that tough. I mean, hell, Eric's black belt. He'll whip your ass. <laughs> and 
we just egged it on and egged it on and egged it on. And so Jerry goes to stay and Eric stood up and we did the circle of our chairs and everything. And Jerry goes to stand up and Eric stands up and Jerry double legs him. And Eric just basically sat right back down in the chair and, and, uh, Jerry let him go. And I said, well, shit, the way I see that, Jerry, as a Bischoff, you'd score a point on you. You couldn't take him down. <laughs> the boy smoke started coming out of uh, Mr. Briscoe's ears. And, and we're telling Eric, come on, Eric, he's 60 years old. He's not that tough. And Jerry commenced to take Eric down and ride him. And you know the deal, <laughs> man, where, where you, cup, you cup your hand and you smother the other person? Yeah, yeah. Well, Briscoe's doing this to Eric, and you can hear the just that pop every time <laughs> Jerry would just slap him in the face and suffocate him. Oh yeah, and take him down. And Jerry finally gets him down and he has him hooked, and and uh, it's like, "Oh, Buzzy, tap out!" And Eric <laughs> taps out very politely. Yeah. Well, when he does that, we had just told the story about Jerry making Bradshaw tap out, and uh, Bradshaw. Gave a dainty tap out. Briscoe looked at Bradshaw. Step out like you mean it, Texas pussy. So we all get in Eric's face and go, I ain't no tap out. Hell, tap out like you mean it, pussy. And <laughs> he did. And he meant it. But oh, I know. And then we proceeded to drink every single beer in the bar. Yeah. Every one. Yeah. Something new. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've been on the other end of that Briscoe riding you around and stuff, too. That's no fun. <laughs> no. No, it's not. As a matter of fact, not Conrad not. has seen our friend TJ try it with Briscoe a couple times. So Yeah, he's still he's still taking on all comers at the bar. Sure, Briscoe <laughs> yeah. <will come> in. <laughs> Briscoe's oh, tough. What a great, we just had Jerry on the show uh, talking about Piper. Um um, Bruce, and uh, it's got always nice to hear from him. You know, you know, he's had four heart attacks in the last three years. Yeah, but he's no, doing man. good. Uh, Robbie's one of those guys that uh, you know, you know, Rick, man, you can count five people, you, know, you can count your friends on one hand in the yep. business, you call friends, you know, that's pretty good. You're doing good, and I counted Robbie, and. You know, we went back, and, and he was one of those guys that very few people could hang with. And I took, you know, back in my younger days, I took great, you know, pride in, I can hang with Roddy and, and uh, do everything and go, you know, drink for drink, whatever for whatever, and um, and hang there until he puts you to bed. And <laughs> Roddy? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the the best part was, and she fast forward to, I don't know what it was, and it had to be like 2002 or 2003, and both Hogan and Piper are back, and they were going somewhere else, and Jerry Briscoe and I had, uh, it was right about the time that Carlito had started, because he brought Jerry a bottle of rum. And we're in, we're in Jerry's room, and we're drinking, and um, various assorted other things, and Piper and Hogan come to the room to hang out and have a few uh, party favors. And before you know it, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and we're putting Piper and Hogan both to bed. Yeah. And, just, and we just looked at each other and go, you know, these were the guys that, that, you know, made everybody tap out back in the day, and now we're putting them to bed. Yeah, Roddy, Roddy was Roddy was a, uh, 
a walking, talking uh, knockout punch. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw him watch put Mark Lou into bed. The name a lot of the fans won't re- remember, but, of course, you remember him. I mean, God. I remember Marky Purple very Hayes. well. I said, I remember Marky very well. He was, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to be, you're, you're soon to be experiencing the Conradison I heard. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, I've he heard an awful lot about it. You know, he's a two uh, bottle of Crown Reserve a night guy too. So <laughs> that's on top of some beer. So I, I know you're a vodka guy, Bruce, but uh, the seaman can give you a run. Well, you, not only that, walking around this place, you can burn up for three thousand calories. <laughs> <laughs> he's even got an elevator. I ride oh the elevator now. I quit walking. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, we're, we're excited to have you on the show, and a lot of longtime fans may remember this. And it seems like WWE has chosen to kind of scratch as much of this as they can. But The Undertaker is back on TV these days, and the very first time he was on TV, he had a different manager than Paul Bear, isn't that right? Oh, yeah. It was uh, Beautiful Brother Love, by God. <laughs> yeah, I, he, it's, you, before Paul Bear, it was you, I remember. Yes. Yes, and I because the whole thing, man. I wanted to bring him in because I, I wanted to. I'd seen. I saw him when he first started, and Rick, you'll rem- remember this name. He reminded me so much of Don Jardine. Oh yeah, of course. The way that he worked for a big man. Yeah, and uh, I followed him through WCW, and Paul Heyman called me and said, "Hey, this guy's available. You interested?" And I went to Vince and said, "Hey, take a look at this guy." And at first blush, Vince is like, ah, he looks like a tall basketball player. And then uh, we had him set to come in and meet with Vince. And the night before, he had a match with Lex Luger on a WCW pay-per-view. Mark had a dislocated hip, but worked the match anyway because he knew that he was going to be meeting with Vince the next day. Well, he's working with Lex (laughs) with the dislocated hip. (laughs) <laughs> wasn't the best match in the world, <laughs> and and Vince Vince didn't want to didn't want to meet with him, and we finally got the two together, and, and as you know, Mark man, he's just he's he's magnetic in and of himself, and he convinced Vince that uh, hey, I'm your guy, and we took off from there. I got to tell you, when it comes to producing these podcasts every week. Since Bruce has gone back to WWE, he has been a major pain in my ass. I know you can identify with that, but unfortunately I probably identify more with general aches and pains. I'm feeling it this year. Just turned 39 a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, I found myself a little more achy than normal in the morning, but I've been reading a lot about the relief that CBD offers for extreme aches and pains. But what if there was something better than CBD? Well, I found it. It's called Leafa, and it's a brand new relief cream that works on contact, and you don't need a prescription for it. Leafa contains over 3,000 milligrams of CBD and beta-caryophyllene. Plus, it has menthol. For those that don't know, beta-caryophyllene is another phytocompound like CBD, but instead of just reacting to receptors in the body, beta-caryophyllene binds to them, making it more powerful than just CBD alone. 
Leafa is the only formula on the market that contains these ingredients and they combine for a more fast-acting targeted relief on contact. By the way, it feels really great. With social distancing and sheltering in place, I've been trying to keep a little more active at home, but I'm not really that motivated because I'm tired and achy. I get really stiff and sore and I need some relief. I applied the Leafa to my joints, especially my left knee, and man, it felt really great. It absorbed fast and left no greasy residue. Leafa made my left knee feel so much better on contact. It smells great too. It's not like a bad medicine smell, but don't take my word for it. Try it for yourself. Experience Leafa's relief. It's a free $60 value during Leafa's nationwide free trial. Now, all you've got to do is pay the shipping. To get your free Leafa, just go to getleafacomfort.com. That's getleafacomfort.com for your free trial. That's G-E-T-L-E-F-A-C-O-M-F-O-R-T.com. That's getleafacomfort.com. So at that point, Bruce, were you guys trying to find a person to fill the role of the undertaker, or did that come about only once you met him? No, that came about once they took a look at him. So he looked like a, an old timey, but he was doing, uh, they brought him in and did the movie with Hogan, uh, Suburban Commando. That's right. Yes, sir. In the outfit that he wore, it made him look like an old timey undertaker. And that's how the, the gimmick, I mean, it, it, at the time, I just wanted to bring him in as Kane, this, this killer, <laughs> you know, and the undertaker evolved and, and he's made it, made it all his own. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the greatest, um, I mean, it's the greatest gimmick in the world. And I, the guy, he lives it. Um, he's a little looser now about it, but I mean, Jesus, back in the 90s and that, and, uh, you know, from the time it first started, I mean, he was, he was the undertaker. I mean, I, I, I t- I'll tell people this all the time, you would see the, um, merchandise, uh, big time in the States, but when you went over to Europe, Everybody was dressed up like the Undertaker. Am I saying that right, Bruce? Oh yeah, I everybody. There was three hundred people standing outside the building when the Undertaker closed. I mean, yeah, the he was hats, white the coats. Yeah, I don't know what his merchandise checks were back then, but I'm sure uh, <laughs> they were they were they were very good. They were healthy. Well, it's it's a really out there character, you know. Certainly by today's you know standard of what wrestling is. How does that come about, Bruce? When you first say, "Hey, he kind of looks like an old timey Undertaker," you guys sit and somebody sketches it out, and then you talk through. You know, he'll sit straight up, and we'll put some eye makeup on him. What does that kind of look like back in the day? What would a creative process for a character like the Undertaker look like? Well, we had we had a whole creative department, and you know, we would give them the idea, you know, and kind of an overall idea, and then they would they would sketch it out. They would meet with the talent to take a look at them, and sketch out their outfits and but the you know the the overall look a lot of times that that came from Vince that came from you know his messed up head and then it evolves you know you get them out there in the ring you figure out what works and a lot of that was was Taker doing his thing and I was a big fan of uh, uh, Jason and the guy uh, what the hell was this you remember Jeff Van Camp Rick yeah who did the humongous gimmick? Yes. 
he wore the hockey mask like Jason, and this guy would do the sit-up. And I saw that. It was just the shrieks in the arena when he would do it um, and pitch that to Taker. And he did it, and it was the same feeling because you got this monster who's dead, and he pops up and all of a sudden turns his head, and, and it was just magic. But yeah. the Taker, man, Mark was able to just make that character his own, become that character. He believes in it. Which made everyone else believe in it. Yeah, there was no doubting. Well, you know what's funny? I mean, I, I, I think, and I've got I wrestled them um, in the '90s, and then of course I wrestled them at uh, WrestleMania, and a couple other times in the 2000s, like 2004 or five, whatever it was. Uh, 2002 actually was. Uh, um, 18 was two. That's right. Yeah, that was 2002. That was in Toronto, right? Yes, sir. And that match really, you know, got me back up and running in terms of my self-confidence. But I thought that that Mark's work, that he got better, um, you know, up until a couple years ago. He just continued to get better every year. Yeah. And it wasn't understanding his character. It's just that, you know, you have to, he, he, he didn't have a luxury every day of working with The Rock and Austin and, guys that could really go, you know what I mean? He was stuck in, you know, the situation that we've all been at times. But, I mean, if you look at Mark, I mean, he wasn't diving over the top rope 20 years ago and doing Ooh. stuff like, you know, like the stuff he does with Sean and Hunter, and, and he did it with, I can't remember, I think he did it with Brock, but, he, you know, diving over the top rope, running across the ring, you know, 6'9", 280 pounds, or 6'10". You just don't see that from a guy, and he's, you know, bouncing around like Ray Mysterio. The yep. top, the walking the rope was nothing, and that's just a, a small part of what makes him so great. And of course, then the timing, the issues of timing with that, you know, when when he's laying down and sits up, and I mean, I was sitting with Conrad last year, and <laughs> Bray Wyatt went into that reverse thing that he does, right. and the taker sat and taker sat up, and I about died. I mean, that was great. <laughs> And the timing was phenomenal. And they had a hell of a match last year, I thought. Oh, I didn't get nearly the recognition it should have gotten, in my opinion. And I'm a big fan of Bray Wyatt, too. That kid's great. I was just going to say, man, there's another stud. Yeah, yeah, that, that, you know, that's what I've done. Savewithconrad.com makes saving money fast and easy, but don't take my word for it. Last Carl, right there in Michigan, he writes, I want to say big thank you to Derek Jones, who was super responsive and informative. Not only did we save more than $100,000 on our mortgage by removing several years off of it, he also saved us a few months of payments. In follow-up, Conrad and Steve were super helpful when I had additional questions. You can't go wrong here with Save with Conrad. Definitely worth a call to understand what your savings could be. Carl gave us a five-star review, and as you heard, save more than $100,000. How much can you save? Find out right now for free at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh, by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. If we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. We're licensed in more than 40 states, and even credit scores in the 500s will qualify. So what are you waiting for? Go to savewithconrad.com right now. He's unbelievable. He's using the, the new crop. You knew that was Mike Gratano's son, right? Yes. Yeah. Third generation, too. I mean, Blackjack's grandson, yeah. I mean, it's a family business all the way through. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, I mean, he's just one. And, and the other, Bo is great, too. 
And now uh, Mike's uh, youngest daughter is uh, going to get into the announcing up in NXT. So, yeah, we had heard she had a tryout, but you're hearing maybe she'll be in an announcer role. Uh, well, I was there when she tried out for. I'm, I would assume she's a beautiful girl and she knows a lot about the business. Um, you know, well, why, I, I can't see why she wouldn't get it, but the answer My question, God. I don't know if she got it or not. So I'm just Rick, Rick. Rick, who would let their daughter get into this business? Yeah, I know, that's what I'm saying to myself right now every day. Bruce, I'm just so glad she's on the main roster now. Are you kidding me? For two years, Dad, when, 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 Dad, Dad, when, when? Actually, I can find. I don't want you to no calls. Don't say anything. When? <laughs> now it's now it's after the show. How was the match? How did it look? Everybody okay? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, she she is her father's daughter. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we just tried too hard, I think. <laughs> so going back a few years, Bruce, back when you uh, first made your way to the WWF and started working for Vince McMahon, how did that come about? I know you had done some stuff with Bosch and some stuff with the UWF, but then eventually you make the move to New York. How did that first encounter with Vince go, and, and how did you come about to be a full-time player there? Well, I was I was working for, for Bill Watson, for Paul Bosch in Houston, and Bill wanted to expand. And during that time, Bill was trying to sell his company to Jim Crockett. And the few times that I had worked for Crockett, there just wasn't, it just didn't work. I mean, I, I, I say it didn't work, but when Jim and I had no rapport. Um, I didn't know Jim Crockett. So, at the time, Eddie Gilbert was working Mid-South, and Eddie told me he was going up to meet with Vince, with Missy, and he says, would you ever be interested in going to New York? And I said, well, hell yeah. And he gave Vince my name and number, and I ended up calling Vince. First thing out of his mouth was, would you consider relocating to Stanford? I didn't even know where Stanford was. <laughs> and I said, yes. And I, you know, just kept on it, and... Finally, uh, when Watt sold to Crockett, Paul Bosch didn't want to have anything to do with Crockett. And we opened up dialogue with Vince. And I was kind of part of that deal when I didn't want to be. I wanted to go. I wanted My whole thing was I wanted to break away. I wanted to go somewhere on my own. You know, I'd been in Houston since I was 10. You know, I was 24 years old, you know, so I was an old man. I needed to break away. And... Uh, Vince brought me up, and for the first month, I didn't have a job description. He brought me up and said, take a look around, you know, work in promotions, work in marketing, work at TV, uh, worked with him and Pat on booking in. He says, figure out what you want to do. And I fell in love with the TV, and I mean, because that's what I did in Houston as well, was I loved producing the TV show and putting it together, and that's where I kind of ended up. So it was just, you know, it was one of those deals, man, perseverance. I never gave up, wouldn't take no for an answer. Kept pushing and pushing and pushing until he finally said, come on up. Well, Bruce, you brought a lot to the table. I mean, it goes without saying that you're one of the most intelligent guys to ever work in this business. Um, and I, 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 as I said earlier, I just, uh, back then as it is now, but there's just so many more people involved. He, the guy is just, he's so intense, and then, you know, ultimately the product is so good and so successful, but he's a very intense guy. And uh, that's, I was just, I don't know how you guys could do it. I mean, 
I I had a hard time one time. Bruce, you were there when he made me, and we were in Gulf Fort, Mississippi, and he made me talk to the empty building at 11 o'clock at night about Elizabeth. Remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I that mean, was great. I'd already made three TVs. He waited the whole arena, and he, and he wanted me, and the idea was that I was talking about how I was with Elizabeth before Savage and all that, but I was talking to an empty building. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Again. Yeah. Again. Do it again. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> but, but that, was the, that was the other thing when when I came to TNA and I would ask Rick to do to do it again. And just one time, he'd look at me and go, "You're out there. It's fine. It's great." I say it again. I couldn't hear it. What? When I would ask you to do something over in TNA, and you would go off, "You're not Vince. This is not the WWE. It's good enough. It's great. Just leave it alone." Yeah, one take, Nate, man. I don't need to be doing it for three other guys that can't do theirs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's That's why you were with them. I know. Hey, you know what's funny, Bruce? Is I, uh, I tell people um, I didn't always agree with what was going on, but it was so that was an easy gig. You know what I mean? And I'm uh, not going to mention this, Bruce, because I was going to ask you anyway, but. Um, you know, Bruce had been through so much with his wife's cancer and all that, and I think that's the reason he left the WWE the last time, right, was to be home for a while? Yeah, that was, you know, I mean, towards the end, it was, there were a lot of rumor and innuendo a lot of times when I would go away. Yeah. And now I can knock on wood, and, and, and my wife is healthy now. Yeah. But I never wanted, you know, I never wanted that public, and, and I always would... You know, I would rather have people whispering about me than talking about her. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. And I hope if, if you don't like me, if you don't like what I just said, I mean, I just no, I'm fine. I was so I was so glad that you found me. I mean, I knew about it, and I, as did his close friends. But yeah, I, the day he showed up at TNA, I was so glad because I said, God, this there's no way that this guy isn't going to turn this around. But man, that was a ship <laughs> that had already sailed. <laughs> I mean, Bruce, it was, you have to admit it was rough there. Holy cow. Not you know, rough it was rough. The, huh? It was rough because, you know, unfortunately, you didn't have you didn't have the backing and you didn't have the tools to, to turn around. You had the talent. Yeah. You had the knowledge. Yeah, but I think, I, I think one of the most difficult things for me was as nice as she is, um, and she is a nice person. Dixie's communication to the talent and what was actually going on was just light years apart from what was really taking place. Would you agree with that, Bruce? Oh, wholeheartedly. It was rough. I mean, Bruce could, tell, right there. Bruce could tell somebody something in, in, that, in that role that should be, you know, in, in a role that I've worked under, and it should be like that. this is the bottom line. It's it. But then, you know, Bruce had to deal with Hulk. And on came Eric, and then in came Bruce. And Bruce has got all this to deal with. And then he's got Dixie out in the park, out in the parking lot. And I don't know why to this day she likes to pull the talent aside, or the talent will pull her aside, whichever way it goes. And they'll make a deal with her. And of course, she doesn't relay it to Bruce. <laughs> so Dixie told me this, and I mean, I've been through that with her. You know what I mean? It's just strange. And I don't. It's not malicious. It's just. It's just a very difficult way to do business after you've been 
in the professional uh, professional atmosphere of the WWE. Would you, is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's that, that's fair. And the, I mean, you really just summed it up because it was difficult to do your job when after you would put something into motion, something else would be put into motion, and you never even knew about it until it was way after the fact or too late. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, um, what's this? Oh, well, I talked to him. And, Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> Don't worry about it. Bruce, do you have an example of a story like that where you were kind of heading in one direction and found out after the fact that was no longer the direction? Wow. You, you know, unfortunately, there, there were... <laughs> There were too many to even remember, but but a lot of times there were things that to, to sum it all up out of let's say you know fifty talent on the roster you had well when I started I want to say there were seven or eight different versions different versions of contracts and they were all completely different and you know there were there were instances where talent was guaranteed a hundred and 50 days, but they were only working, they were only able to work, you know, 70 because they only ran 70 events. <laughs> they got a contract for 150. Uh, there, wow. there were just so many things like that that unfortunately, you know, there were different people at different times in, in that position that things got grandfathered in and, you know, the right hand a lot of times didn't know what the left hand was doing and people would just go into business for themselves. And it was challenging, you know, to deal with an office in Dallas, Texas, that's an energy company that builds power plants that doesn't understand the wrestling business or the entertainment business. Yeah. It doesn't understand the nuances. To them, an independent contractor is a plumber. So when one independent contractor is gone, you just replace him with another. That's not how you do it with talent. They may be independent contractors, but they're talent. <laughs> you know, Ric Flair goes, you can't just replace him with another independent contractor. Yeah. And you can have the same thing. All right, Bruce, let's run a timeout right now to tell everybody about something going on with your dogs. Uh, no, I'm not talking about uh, a couple of your favorite boys behind the scenes like Michael Hayes or Ed Kosky. No, I'm talking about your real dogs like Roger, like... Uh, Roger, it's Dodger, damn it. The official dog of something to wrestle with. Really? That's what I said, Roger. You know, all right. I, all right. So I don't know Roger, but I do know Dodger. what Roger. That's what I'm saying, Roger. I know what Rod, Roger. Dodger. I, exactly. I got you. I know what Roger likes. Roger likes solid gold. But here's why you like it for him. Did you know that up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut? or that supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health enables pets to better fight environmental allergies. Solid gold is passionate about gut health because the healthy digestive system positively impacts the immune system and overall wellness of pets. And solid gold is the first holistic pet food company in America started way back in 1974 by Sissy McGill. Now Sissy was a trailblazer and a pioneer who disrupted a male dominated industry and created a natural pet food, quote, before it was cool. Sissy was inspired by European pet food 
and the fact that European Great Danes live longer than their American counterparts. And her first recipe has now provided high quality nutrition and digestive health for over 20 generations of dogs. And we're really excited to have solid gold as a part of our show because my dogs love solid gold. Bruce's dogs love solid gold and your dogs will too. Solid gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pets, mind, body, and spirit. And for more than 45 years, solid gold has revolutionized this holistic pet food category. And they have a recipe for any cat or dog's dietary needs, including healthy whole grain and grain-free options like wet food supplements like seal meal and 100% human grade bone broth for bone broth. Easy for me to say for dogs. Now it may have been tough for me to say, but man, your dog, Roger, he really loves bone broth. Doesn't he? Dude, when it's time to eat Dodger, Wally and Rowdy all come running, but it's when you twist the top on the bone broth, they just like start salivating and go nuts. And it is their absolute favorite. And solid gold is the place to get it because they have the best bone broth, according to Dodger and Walter. Roger loves it and you will too. Solid gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods. They're going to balance with living probiotics and fuel with omega three and six fatty acids. They're going to support gut health and nourish your pet inside and out. Do what Bruce and I are doing. Get your dog on the solid gold plan, man. Right now, see the solid gold deal of the week. Go to solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. I want to give that to you again. That's solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle to see the deal of the week. Remember, it's solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. And if Roger loves it, you will too. Yeah. You know, Bruce, let me ask you a question. Um, I, I mean, I'm trying to figure out because I hear about it. You know, Conrad is on top of it a lot, and then I hear about it if I'm around the guys, which I am a fair amount of the time. Like I'm, you know, going to New York tomorrow to, with Conrad for the whole week to see my daughter for SummerSlam. Um, but it is, uh, is there? A, I'm trying to figure out how does Jarrett keep getting back there? Wasn't he on a show the other night? Yeah, you got me. I mean, what is the deal? I mean, after all the things up and down and the stuff with uh, Kurt and Dixie and, you know, I mean, I don't even begin to know. Personally, I like Jeff, but I I just know that there's been, you know, some misgivings in in the way that that place was run for a long time. And some people made a lot of money, you know what I mean? Yeah, so that's a head-scratcher. Yeah, that's really a head-scratcher. Yeah, I, I see that, and I what, what comment? What's your take on that? I don't have anything nice to say, so uh, let's ask a TNA question, Bruce. Uh, <laughs> you and Rick were in a great segment called TNA Gut Check once, and uh, the talk online is that on the fly, Rick kind of went against the grain and changed his vote. Is that the real story, or what really happened in that gut check? That's a real story. Yeah, tell Rick, what, it's, I, I, I vaguely remember that. Oh, they yeah. wanted me to say something about someone I didn't think was good enough, right? And then on the fly, no, supposedly, was, you changed it. But, but again, and, and keep in mind, too, that, that the direction that was given to me, the direction that was given to Rick, 
direction that was given to all of us in that segment was be real, shoot with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So, you know, you tell somebody, be real. We don't want to know what you're going to do. Just go out there and shoot with it. But by the way, here's what we want you to do. Um, <laughs> so this kid, you know, we, we, we had no intention really at the time of giving the kid a contract and everything. He just, he, the in-ring work was not, was not there. And the promo work we'd seen with him, it just, you know, wasn't great. So we say no, and he gets a chance to turn it around. And, and there, were, there was a yes vote and a no vote, and I'm going to get the, uh, the final vote. Well, Rick changes his vote. <laughs> yeah, I said he was terrible, right? Yeah, well, first you said he was terrible. He cut a promo, and you said, you know what, sir, I changed my opinion. Yes. Don't no, no, no. So I, I went with it. I'll say it again. I said he was terrible before he cut the promo. You said he was terrible, and you voted no. Yes, and the kid and, and Al voted yes, and it was up to me. And the the kid cut a promo to try and, you know, here's your 30 seconds, convince us to give you a contract. And once he cut his promo, you grabbed the microphone and said, you know what? That was a hell of a promo. I changed my vote. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, I do. Okay, now I got it. It was something like the guy had a death in the family and really did a good job with the promo, dedicating yeah, it that's to him what it was. or something. I, I, I'm, it's all coming back to me now. Ah, to his dad. And, and so the, the, the joke online is the kid who won it couldn't even legally work in the States. He didn't have a visa. Is that true? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I didn't know Canadian. that. That's fantastic. Oh, my God. Well, you know what's funny? <laughs> Ruth, so tell me something. You know, we, we, I got I could talk to you all day long. How much fun was it work back in the beginning working with Austin and Rock? Oh, my God. It, it was, you know, that was a time. And, no, no, and, no, 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 like, let, let, let me add Let me add two more words. Okay. Or three or four more words. And knowing that you were kicking WCW's ass. <laughs> it was great. It was great, but it yeah. was it was just so much fun because you had guys that were hot, and it was in seeing Austin. I mean, uh, seeing Rock, especially from the standpoint I, I've told the story a million times, but you know, Rock and Hunter didn't really care for each other. Oh, I don't. There, there was a. I don't think a, they do. I don't think they do right now. <laughs> I, I don't know now, but I tell you, at the time, there was that professional jealousy. That I mean, it was brutal, and they would go out live, and Rock would would stand there, and he would you know do what was written on the piece of paper for him to do. Hunter would go out and eat him alive, going off script. Yeah, and Rock would come back and bitch, and goddamn, this guy's going off, you know, and I'm doing what I'm told, and I said, you know what, man, it's live. Yeah, and he looks at me. I said, if you can take the ass chewing when you come back, it's live. What are they going to do? I said, but the, the here's the trick. It better be good enough. Because if you're going to go off script and you're going to do something and it's great, then by God, you're a genius. If it's not, you're a dumbass. Yeah. And he went out and they would spar with each other out there verbally, go completely off script. And the audience, man, they felt it because it was real. Yeah, there was animosity there. There was professional jealousy there. And these two guys didn't like each other. They worked beautifully in the ring. They were tremendous professionals. But you don't have to like somebody to work great with them. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I that think, was the magic. It was great. Yeah. I think that uh, that thing was, that exists, and I never knew, you know, I can never tell anymore sometimes. If you can fake me out, you're pretty good. But, but I don't think that Cena and The Rock uh, are ever going to go to dinner together either. Yeah. What, <laughs> what's your take on that, Conrad? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know the whole behind the scenes, but certainly it seems like at times they would, They'd get a little stiff with each other with the promos yeah. under their WrestleMania shows. Yeah, I just—I mean, it was entertaining, but boy, it was pretty strong. But it sold tickets. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. But I can remember one time they—they they had a segment out there because I used to watch it. Um, and they—I mean, they—the segment was unbelievable, but nobody watched. I mean, it, it kind of got repetitious. Do you remember? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they would do things, and but and then sometimes the verbiage was so close to what it was the next week. Remember that? Because they worked two WrestleManias in a row back to back, correct? Exactly. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, it, it's hard to create, you know, that kind of intensity twice. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I didn't know, but um, so Bruce, I, something it, recently, just the, the both of them so talented, and Cena. I mean, the Rock. Look at him now. God, I'm so happy for his success. And it couldn't happen, in my opinion, to a nicer guy. And, and you know, a hard-working son of a gun, he deserves everything he gets. Yeah, he does. Everything. And John, and too. I mean, John, you know, I'm sure John doesn't have to work another day, but John loves the business. And he's, uh, yes. you know, he's, um, you know, he's there. He perseveres. And, you know, Conrad and I talk about it, and Conrad will text me and say, man, he ain't going to break your record, man. I <laughs> I'll go, I'll go, Conrad, what's the finish? And Conrad will give me 30 different resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we, we fly in tomorrow to celebrate not only our, our, an hour with you, Bruce, but to start our weekly shenanigans before SummerSlam. And, of course, Conrad will have already booked Monday TV. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Bruce. Uh, but while I got a guy like you with your level of intelligence and your background, who is winning, Undertaker or Brock? To me, there's only one finish. Who's that? Uh, to me, it's Taker. Okay. Who is winning between Cena and uh, Rollins? Mark these down now. Uh, I'm writing them down. Uh, I got you. So, Bruce well, Pritchard is calling know, Undertaker. Thumbs up, correct? I'm saying Undertaker, thumbs up. Now, okay. are you asking me what would I do? Or what will happen? What will happen? No, what will happen? Um, God, man, I, I would hope they go with Rollins. I I would do Rollins, and by God, you know what? I'll go with Rollins because it's different, and I hope. Then again, that's probably why they'll go with Cena. Yeah, you're so, saying uh, Rollins because it, why can't they? I, I would do Rollins, but I think they're going to go with Cena. Well, that gets heat with me. <laughs> Conrad had a different version. There's going to be a run-in. Well, you know, I mean, all of a sudden last night, uh, we're taping this on Tuesday. Of course, you're listening on Woo Wednesday. But, uh, you know, last night as we're watching, all of a sudden, Cena starts to involve, you know, Triple H in his promo. So I couldn't help but think maybe that's kind of like the way out. Uh, Triple H can have a little interference. That sets up shows for them down the road. But, you know, that's me armchair quarterbacking. What the hell do I know? If you can't get enough Bruce Pritchard and something to wrestle, you're going to love adfreeshows.com. Check it out. Here's a clip from adfreeshows.com that you can't hear anywhere else. 
So you, you kind of look back and look at everything that Mr. Perfect did just with such fondness because his timing was impeccable. And this is also a good time because you had the genius there who was great fodder. And um, it just, it, it, oh, Jesus. And Kurt, the, the, the bump outside. Holy cow. Good shit. This is uh, maybe some of my peak fandom. You know, we often talk about how 89 was my favorite year besides 97, but as we cruise into 90, I'm at my all-time height of my fandom as a kid. I think when this aired, I would be eight. I'd turn nine in a couple of months. Uh, this is as good as it gets. Who was your favorite wrestler when you were eight years old? You really have to ask that question. I assume it was Dory fucking Funk. Goddamn right. I just can't the Daniel. I can't imagine being that excited as a kid about Dory Funk. I had Hulk Hogan. You had Dory Funk. And Wahoo McDaniel. Okay. Well, I had another, I had an Indian that I loved. His name was ultimate warrior. No joke, no comment, nothing. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to adfreeshows.com right now. And you'll get every something to wrestle early and ad free for just nine bucks a month. And we've also got a ton of great bonus content for you to check out including more than 20 live something to wrestles with our very special guests. And of course, all of the fun and silliness that we did at Starcast, including the roast of Bruce Pritchard, a Monday night war debate between Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff and the last live something to wrestle. You don't want to miss it. And don't forget once upon a time, Bruce and I had a separate Patreon where we did bonus content every single month. You get all of that in the archives as well. Of course, our show notes and so much more. Check it out for yourself right now. If you dig Bruce Pritchard and you want more something to wrestle, but less ads, it's hard to beat. Adfreeshows.com. I mean, Seth has got it down pretty good, man. He's got, and he's starting to really come across as confident. That didn't, that segment last night was a damn good segment. You know, that, that kid is a stud. I, I enjoy, you, you get to the point, you know, we, we reach a certain point, but, where you kind of want to fast forward through certain things. I enjoy the hell out of watching him perform. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, he's right there with Orton. I mean, in, in terms of, in my, in my, um, um, you know, I've got three guys that I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, you know, of that style. I think, I think Seth Rollins is another, is another Randy Orton. Um, his body, all around work rate, um, in, in entertainment wise in terms of his interview he's not loud he's not a, like a guy screaming like me or like roddy and that but he, he he's, he's getting more confidence in his interview every time i hear him talk and he's doing great and to me he's gonna because randy you know randy's begging for a way to get the Shawn michaels deal and take off every summer so i just <laughs> can't see him taking the steam off of uh seth rollins i mean what would you do with the next show do it again yeah, see, that's the thing. I mean, you got Seth who's hot right now, and he and he's hot because man, he squeaked by Lesnar, he squeaked by, but yet at the same time he's beating guys. So yeah, you know he can do it. Yeah, and that's the beauty behind having. He's a beatable heel. Yeah, he's also a credible heel. Yeah, but I, I don't think he's beatable too much yet because we. And that's how you. I know we all say that everybody's batting five hundred there, but that seems. 
to be after a longer period of time. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Uh, it could, all of a sudden, you're going to have John Cena with two belts, which John doesn't need, no. uh, or you're going to have Seth with two belts. And, I mean, I just, you know, I could think about it, and maybe I could figure a way out of it, you know. If it was me, they would have me defend one belt in the first hour and the second belt in the third hour. Because <laughs> I would no, figure it. out a way to do they, they got three hours. <laughs> they figure out a way to get three <laughs> three in there. And, and, and if Bruce was booking, Bruce would have me have five in a promo in the second hour. <laughs> yeah, ready for the third match. <laughs> Bruce, when did the, the booking style change? You know, going back to when you first started with the WWF, everything was kind of pre-taped, and it seemed like there was more of a long-term plan. And then I guess maybe during the Monday Night Wars, that's when the kind of booking on the fly and the last-minute changes started to happen. When do you remember that shift really happening and then how did that affect you, you know, when you were involved in the creative side? Well, I would say, you know, mid to late 90s is when it changed. But at the same time, you know, it was, yeah, I think Vince has always done things last minute and just gone with the flow. But I loved it. I love, I love live television. I love live television because there is absolutely nothing that can go wrong. Yeah, if the rain collapses and, and you know, the building gets set on fire, it was meant to happen. And by God, you just go with it. And that's the mark of a true pro. And that's what I love about live TV because you just get to go with it. You work with so many unknowns and elements that you can't control. And give me live TV any day of the week. It's just, uh, you want people, you don't want things to be predictable you want people to wonder and do like you're doing where you're sitting there going okay what are they going to do with right Cena? you want people to wonder and not be able to pick it yeah and that's the beauty of our business when it becomes so predictable that i know okay i'm going to turn it on and see who's going to win next i want to turn it on and think cena's going to win and have lose. yeah i mean i i i'm just saying you know i just think uh this a lot. The people will be interested. Uh, I'm looking. I'm not just looking after the podcast, but Bruce, you've got a great opinion and a great mind. Uh, you know, one of my favorite moments, Conrad, was I got the TV one day, and Bruce said to me, "Hey, you're working with uh, Hulk and Seg One and Austin and Seg Ten. <laughs> and I said, "Great, <laughs> no problem, man. You really going to use me twice? <laughs> Thank you." <laughs> Do you remember that, Bruce? Exactly. Yeah, I loved yes. it, man. I got to work with Hulk, the first seg or second seg, and, uh, um, geez, I'm trying to think. And then Austin late in the show, and then I got Steve. to work with Steve, and that's, you know, before Steve uh, took off, took his sabbatical. <laughs> so, Bruce, uh, Hulk's been picked on a lot lately online. We don't want to necessarily pile on, but he does kind of get a bad rap in WCW for invoking his creative control clause and kind of putting Nitro into a tailspin with, that doesn't work for me, brother. Did you hear much of that during the Hulkamania era of the WWF, or did that, uh, you assume, just came later in WCW? Well, i got to tell you, man, all, every time that I've, I've ever worked with Hulk, man, he, he's been easy as Sunday morning. Now, you know, no different than any other talent. They're going to come up and say, hey, man, I don't feel that. And I think it just comes with how you deal with that from there. You know, I never would go into a situation and say, this is what we're going to do without having a B and a C plan behind that. 
you know what, I don't really feel that right now. Okay, how about this? What if we got to it this way? And sometimes by having that B and that C plan, you may be able to bring them back around to the A plan to say, well, wait a minute, that might be a much better idea than I originally thought. Yeah. But, you know, um, with with Hulk early on in the 80s, man, he dealt with Vince. And they got together and they mapped things out. And sometimes it was great. Sometimes it wasn't great. But they had their ways of working it out. When Hulk came back in uh, 2000 and stuff, I worked with him primarily. And I got to tell you, uh, he was pretty easy to work with. It was different. Again, I never went in with that, you know, this is what you're going to do and this is it. You know, it's this or the highway. I never went into anything with anybody like that. Except Ric Flair, but um, <laughs> no. But that's because I always said yes. I didn't even ask you. I just assumed I was doing the job. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I always would go in and, and say, "Hey, here's what we have in mind. What do you think?" Because he's the one that's going to have to do it. You know, you're, the talent's the one that has to go out there and perform it. And if they don't feel it and don't feel it's right, um, I'd like to think that they'd say so. And um, you know, make it right. Was but, there was there somebody you were working with back then who was difficult? Since everybody always says Hogan was the most difficult, but you didn't really experience that. Was someone difficult that you can remember? Uh, you know, I mean, speaking a little bit, dead, but Warrior could be difficult. Um, Randy Savage was challenging. <laughs> I don't know that Randy, you know, I've heard horror stories about Randy uh, uh, being difficult, but I I always got along with Randy too, and and it was once you talk it through, it's you know he was fun, but he was challenging because he would he would pick everything apart. Yeah, but it was some guys some guys would do that, and some guy you know, and then there then there are the guys who just go okay whatever you want and go do it. Hello, hello. Oh, we're here. Yeah. Okay, I'll be just with that. I wanted to hear my name at the end of that sentence. <laughs> no, you know what? But, but Rick, I mean, seriously, you you would you would speak up. Yeah, but I never you said no. That's, that's why that's why Hogan made twenty five million and I made five hundred thousand. No, I think you know. I think you sometimes were too giving, but also to say you would speak up. You spoke up to me. We no, don't say, hey, well, I spoke. Yeah, no, no. Let's get things clarified. I would say to you, Bruce, how long have I got to pull this off? <laughs> <laughs> yes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, five minutes. <laughs> because you looked at it as a challenge a lot of times too. Yeah, you know, but I don't think, I don't think that I that I can honestly say that about myself, with the exception of not getting along with Eric and Russo, um, you know, at different times and. Russo just, you know, I I think Russo just we got off to a start a bad start because he he knew the cornet and I were friends, right? So uh-huh. he just said to me, I, I know you don't you're not gonna like me, and I said why? He said because we're good friends with Jim Cornet. I said what's that got to do with you and me? Right. That was our first conversation. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. So next thing I knew, I was buried out in the desert somewhere. <laughs> well, let's talk about Russo a little bit, Bruce. He gets a lot of credit for the Attitude Era stuff, but. The, the comeback is always, well, he needed an editor. You saw that in WCW. Vince Russo needs an editor, and Vince was an editor. What was your perspective at the time? Well, we all had editors, and that editor was Vince McMahon. 
the you know nothing nothing got through nothing got approved or or killed without Vince's blessing Vince McMahon's blessing and a lot of the a lot of the stuff that was done was Vince Russo was a different voice pitching to Vince McMahon he may have been pitching a lot of the same old tired ideas if you if you want to call it that it was a different voice and it worked but at the end of the day you've got one guy in charge there you know, the buck stops at Vince McMahon, and he ain't afraid to step up, you know, and, and kill something or endorse something. So that's the big difference. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't me. It wasn't Vince Russo. It wasn't Brian Gewertz. It wasn't any of us on our own. It was Vince being able to take those ideas and either let you run with it, edit it, whatever it is. But he's that he's the gatekeeper, and nothing's going on television without his blessing. Yeah, I said that the other day. Um, make no mistake, whether it was Bruce or anybody else that came up with a game plan, um, it ran through uh, Vince for final approval. Is that, is that a fair statement, Bruce? Everything, everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, now, the same way, have... It's the same way today. Yeah. I would assume it is. I mean, I haven't been there, but I would assume, you know, I, I still hear everything. And you, and you can tell when Vince McMahon has his fingerprints on things. Yeah, and it still to this day feels that you know he's he's given the nod. Yeah, and you you look at every every writer, booker, whatever you want to call them, creative person. I don't know what the hell they call them these days. Um, you know, you have you have good runs, you have bad runs, and I I think knock on wood, you know, for the most part, I, I had some pretty good runs. For you know different periods of time, you know, I had I had some that you know there was a period when during the uh, Vince's federal trial that we couldn't bring in any talent because Vince didn't feel that it was fair to the talent with his future unknown to bring somebody in and ask somebody to sign a contract with us when he didn't know if he was what was going to happen with him. And so we were handcuffed and handicapped considerably because here's your roster. We've got to be real careful what we do here. We can't upset the uh, parent teachers council or I don't know whether whatever the hell they were, the PTC. And we had to be very careful with everything that we did. So it wasn't that great. Yeah. <laughs> we had we had a lot of uh, handcuffs on us. We had a lot of barriers. Yeah. Bruce, back when that, when that trial was going on, a lot of the WWE folks who worked in the office have said in you know, shoot interviews and various forums that they were nervous about their job. Is that something you thought was going to happen, like, hey, we're done? Or, or did you have confidence that Jerry Jarrett could step in and run the ship while Vince was away? Okay, so you asked two different questions there. Was I nervous? No. Was I confident that Jerry Jarrett could run <laughs> anything? Absolutely not. Yeah, why did what? I I had forgotten. I now that you bring it up, where did Jerry Jarrett come in, Conrad? Well, I mean, Bruce probably knows better than I. But the story is that Jerry Jarrett got the call from Vince when Vince thought, "Hey, this may not be going my way, and if I'm away, I need somebody who can uh, run the territory, so to speak." God, I never heard that. And, I did hear that now, but I, I I'd have to agree with Bruce. Not a chance. But well, no, not not a chance. Not not a chance, Jerry. No. I don't know how Jerry ever ran Memphis in the territory that he ran, um, other than the fact that he had creative bookers and 
a hot shot booking that uh, only would work in one area, and I mean the mid south area. Yeah. Hey, let me see if but, I can find the shovel. I'm, we just buried Jerry Jarrett. He's gone. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm speaking the truth. I'm not burying him. <laughs> no, no, I, I, and I, I'm going to say the same thing. I like Jerry a lot personally, but you can't you can't run Memphis and compare that to running the WWE. And I think that's a very a very fair assessment. Well, creatively, you know, it's probably a call he made from a financial standpoint. Wouldn't you guys agree? Because everybody says that. You know, there's no money to be made in Memphis, but Jerry Jarrett took care of himself. So it was probably a call based on financial reasons, or am I way off on saying that? Well, I I don't think without Jerry Lawler, he would have had nearly the success that he had. And I'm hoping that Jerry Lawler made a lot of money. Yep. But but Jerry Jarrett coming in, Jerry Jarrett was one of several that Vince went to to seek out as a, a consultant and to try and get a different head and a different viewpoint in. Um, but Jerry Jarrett, once he got in and once he, you know, Vince was exposed to him or Jerry was exposed to Vince, put it that way, um, the, there, there was never that intent to, like, God, if something happens, uh, okay. Jerry Jarrett's going to run this thing. I think that the intent was simply that if something were to ever happen to Vince, that people, that several different people were put in key positions to just come together. And we had that opportunity to do it. And I think we did pretty well while Vince was going through his neck surgery at the time or his back surgery and preparing for the trial. And during the trial, we, we did run it without Vince. Mm. So to, to that point, you know, it was, it was simply Vince making sure that he had the right people in the right positions all throughout the company, which goes to as much as you hear Vince being the end-all, be-all there, which he is, that if something, God forbid, were to happen to him tomorrow, that the company would go on and it would be fine. Would it be as good? Probably not. Would no, I'm one of those thrive? people. I'm sorry, go ahead, Bruce. But, if it, but would it go on and thrive? Yeah, I definitely think it would. Yeah, I think that if something happened to Vince, so God forbid that uh, the, the numbers would drop a little bit. I don't mean the numbers on ratings. I'm talking about the stock. Yeah. Because I, I think that uh, I don't think a lot of people are as aware of uh, just how in how entrenched Stephanie and Hunter are right now. I mean, it's to the point where Hunter and Stephanie, Hunter for sure, Stephanie at least one day, Monday, Tuesday on the road, uh, and then down uh, to Orlando for Tough Enough. And then uh, Hunter, as an example, every third week, NXT taping. Um, and uh, like this week, uh, they've got NXT sold out on Saturday. They've got SummerSlam sold out on Sunday. They have um, Raw sold out on Monday. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then they're going to go to Providence for SmackDown. Um and then they go back down. Hunter Rick goes back down for NXT taping in two weeks. And believe it or not, because I talk to Hunter all the time, when he's not on the road, and this is a guy that he's got to have that two-hour workout every day. He's miserable. He's on Vince's schedule. He works out at 11 o'clock at night now because he's yeah. in the office, and so is Stephanie. You know, because he, you know, this guy has always pushed Stephanie in that direction, but I, he's making sure 
Um, he's making sure that Hunter's got a grasp of it too. Would, would you? I, I mean, I keep using that statement, but I that's my take on it anyway. Well, okay. Here, here's the thing that I, I get into when when I do a lot of these interviews and things because. Yeah, I, I got. I have no dog in the fight. I'm not there, but I love to be there. Yeah, but that's not why I'm saying this either. When I hear the, the stuff about, well, Hunter's only there because he married into it. Well, long before Hunter, that's, that's Stephanie, a bullshit story. That, yeah, I, I long before that. Hunter and Stephanie were Hunter and Stephanie. Paul Lebeck was one of the first guys to show up at the building. He was sitting in on production meetings. He was offering up ideas. He has been a student of the business from day one. If he had never even crossed paths with Stephanie in any any way, shape, or form, he would be deserving of the spot that he is in now because he worked his ass off to get there. And he's good. Okay, and people people want to say what they what they will, but these are people that have never met him that have never been around him and watched him work from the inside, okay? From the outside looking looking in at him, you go, oh, well, God, you know, it's easy for him. He's, he's married to the boss's daughter. They drive yeah. around. And, that, that, that's, that's a bullshit statement, too. I hate it. I hear that, too. It pisses me off when people say that because they don't get this guy's work ethic, man. Jesus. No. And he was doing it long before, okay? that That's the part that you need to sit there and look yeah. at. And he, he always was one of those guys that would sit back quietly, but he would always offer suggestions. He was always out there plugging, and he was always trying to do something more. He didn't have to show up early and go to production meetings. He asked if he could. He didn't have to watch other guys' matches and offer them help. He did it because he loved it. And he still does it. And looking, I just look at NXT and the developmental system. And when we started that in the studio in the warehouse with my brother training guys and to where it is now is amazing because it, it you know, it's, it is the future. It's, it's the only future that we've got right now, but here's a guy that worked his ass off as a talent in the ring and has worked to learn the business and has got his hands dirty doing it. And for people to sit back that have never, never met him, never met you, never met me and judge based on what they perceive reality to be is bullshit. Yeah, you know you know what the moral of the story is, Bruce? What's that? Well number one, he was working for a gold's gym in New Hampshire. You knew that, right? Yep. And number two, I owned eleven gold gyms, if you remember correctly, right? Yep. And number three, he happened to be at the Sheridan in Columbus, Georgia one night when I was performing. Thank God I had the balloon on, hence Triple H. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the old balloon trick got him again. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. So so for those at home who can't fill in the blanks, Rick, do you want to describe what the balloon trick is? No, nah, no. Nah, all they have to do is buy my DVD and listen to Hunter's, listen to Hunter's um Speech uh, on my Hall of Fame induction. It's, that's all of my past. A <laughs> couple more questions, and we're going to let you get out of here, Bruce. A lot of fans are fascinated with the term gorilla position. It's like this fabled thing to wrestling fans that the guys come back through and they want to know how do we do. And at the same time, a lot of the instruction is coming out from behind that gorilla position 
out into the floor for the referees and for the wrestlers. And, and most importantly, the commentators. Recently, <laughs> a link yeah. came out that showed all the different notes from Vince about the band words and don't say this, say that. But you sat right next to Vince in the gorilla position. Talk to us a little bit about what that is and how it evolved over time. Well, gorilla position, uh, I believe WCW called it the go position. It's just a position on the other side of the curtain. It's the last bastion of information you're going to get and instruction that you're going to get before you go out into the arena. Um, what I did there was time the shows and, and give cues to pretty much everybody and coordinate between, again, that, that point with talent in the truck for production and what have you. Um, yeah, it's just the last bastion, man, and, and sitting there, Vince on the other side would, would sit and produce commentary, which could be entertaining in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bruce, you're being so politically correct today. <laughs> well, it's brutal. I, you come I mean, to that turkey once. It was, you know, if, he, if he's not looking at you and with a thumbs up, you know something's wrong. Oh, Jesus. you know the best. From I have seen agents thing? get murdered. Oh, yeah. Way uh, ahead of my interest. <laughs> the worst one, though, was if you were a producer and, like, you're producing a backstage segment, and once it was finished, you would wait about 30 seconds and just pray that you wouldn't hear these words. Bruce to Gorilla. <laughs> once you, <laughs> yeah. you walked up those steps and you got up there and you met eyes with Vince, two things would happen. He would take the headset off, set it down, take his glasses off, put them down on the table, and then whatever ash you might have had would be gone 20 seconds later. Um, now, I've, 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 uh, I've experienced that probably more than anybody. <laughs> uh, Bruce, that, that's because you're good at what you do. Oh, my God. You were one of the few guys that had the balls to say, <laughs> put it in a can without having him come look at it. Because I could remember at the time, I used to look at Ed and say, Ed, if you ever want to get anywhere in this company, make a decision on your own. I'm not going <laughs> to sit here for 20 minutes waiting for Vince to come over, put on his spectacles and look at it close up, okay? Make a decision. Right. So Bruce actually would make that move periodically. So we would stand there for a half hour. I mean, one time Bruce said to me, what was that deal that you had uh, with the, the concerto you had? We were in Pittsburgh, and it was um, Edge and Randy going to give me these chairs, right? Yes. Remember that, Bruce? Yes. So Bruce said, get some juice. I was like a kamikaze pilot banging my head. I must have killed myself 20 times. Bruce said, Jesus Christ, you're going to be dead before you go through the curtain. <laughs> I said, make the call, Bruce. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, my God. And remember, and, and he's having me punch him in the head. <laughs> and I'm punching him in the head, and there's blood spattering. I, I won't forget this because I was wearing a yellow shirt. And I'm hitting, and there's blood spattering all over my shirt. And I got to go home, and, and my wife looks at the shirt and says, what the hell happened to you? I thought, that's right. We're good, <laughs> That yeah, is the story we should end the show on. What a way to go out. man! Uh, I love working for Bruce. Let me tell you, Bruce and I have had so much fun and so much respect for each other, and uh, we had so much respect for both Dusty and Roddy. I mean, there's a lot. Bruce is one of those guys that, I, you know, I see Tom all the time. 
Tom was my my 500 free squad guy. <laughs> yep. He hated me, but I see Tom. I don't and Bruce. I we need to stay in touch more often. Thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. Uh, it's an honor. Uh, thank you so very much for thinking of me and having me on. Man, I greatly appreciate it. Oh, Anytime, yeah. this team's gonna just throw everybody else's podcast under the under the bus, man. But before we let you get out of here, let's make sure people know how to get a hold of you. Of course, you're on Twitter at Bruce Pritchard on Twitter. Is there anything else we can help you promote today, Mr. Pritchard? Hey, man, just, just hit the mainly, mainly the Twitter and Facebook, and it's Bruce Pritchard on Facebook. And there's no T in Pritchard, so don't get there fancy. There's no T in Pritchard. Yeah, and by the way, I want to be invited to the Conradison when you bring Ruth in. Okay, when we get done, I'll tell you what day it is. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. Pritchard, for joining the show today. Thank you, Thank you sir. Well, and the rest, they say, is history. Uh, the next step, of course, would be somewhere along the way, I would befriend Bruce Pritchard. And before you know it, he would be on a plane headed this way, and we would produce a bunch of uh, mortgage commercials and video projects together and work on some landing pages. And he slowly but surely learned a little bit more about my business. And as I learned a little bit more about his business, I couldn't help one day but say, hey, man, this is a podcast. And here we are. I don't think anybody would have ever predicted that we would start with what you just heard and wind up with all the silliness that is something to wrestle, but it was fun to look back to the very beginning. And I got to tell you, there is no end in sight. I know sometimes uh, people doubt that, especially when we have a show delay like today, but we had a similar situation last week, you know, well, life's throwing us all a lot of curveballs with COVID-19 and WWE's trying to roll with the punches as much as they can. And Sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't as far as our recording schedule. And this was one of those where it didn't, but we're still working hard to get you these shows every single week. Vengeance. So five dropped this past weekend. And I'm positive that slam anniversary 2017 is coming your way very, very soon. We appreciate your patience. I hope you guys are digging what we're doing. And I want to mention, we've got big plans for you throughout the rest of the summer. I've been all of a sudden getting blown up with requests just to make sure we're still going to do summer slam. Oh, five which is one of our most requested shows. Absolutely. It is coming your way. Uh, you're going to have that uh, towards the end of August. August 21st is what I have penciled in. Uh, but before we get there, we've got a lot of fun stuff, including a great Saturday night's main event from 1990. Great American Bash Show 5, In Your House 2. Of course, Kevin Nash in the WWE. July is going to be kick-ass. We appreciate all of your support. But don't forget, sometime this weekend, the three-time Karate Black Belt Hall of Famer, going to bless your feed with a little slammiversary from 2017 we'll see you next time right here on something to wrestle with kinda bruce pritchard i've been telling you for a long time that save with conrad.com can save you money but don't take my word for it good morning hey this is dave silva i'm calling from save with conrad how are you this morning Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing great. I listen to you guys all the time. Actually. Oh, man, that's awesome. All five, five, all five <laughs> podcasts. Okay, so what made you come to Save with Conrad in the first place? Uh, I was just looking to try to refinance my my home and try to get a, a better, better deal on my home as well as try to cut out some of my, my credit card and uh, other debts that I had. And I had worked with worked with Derek, and he was he was amazing. Like he answered every question that that I needed answered, and he was able to answer those questions as quickly as possible. If he wasn't able to answer, then he would get back home to me within like within like an hour, 
with, with those answers. So he was just flat out amazing to work with. How much money was Save With Conrad able to save you? So they paid off my car, paid off several credit cards. I want to say in the long run, probably about thirty-five, forty thousand 40000 for sure. That's fantastic, man. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah, man. I, yeah, and thank you for calling. I really appreciate your call. And like I said, um, I listen to you guys all the, all the time. I've listened to Conrad, ever, uh, Conrad Thompson ever since the Ric Flair show. So. <laughs> so what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.